The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. It's time for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. In today's edition, you're going to be hearing from left fielder Robbie Grossman, the big left-hander Sean Manaya, Bob Nightingale from the USA Today, and Melissa Lockhart, who covers the athletics for the athletic. But we're going to start out with Robbie Grossman. Robbie's great. Some really good insights. I really enjoy our time when we sit down with him, and we always joke with him about StatCast. We've been joking all offseason that you came up with one of the best lines last year on A's Cast Live when you talked about your love-hate relationship with StatCast because uh, uh, we've been having these defensive guys on there like, what do you mean, StatCast? StatCast loves Robbie Grossman. Yeah, um, they loved me last year, um, but it's um – it's a great metric and it's a great um, way to evaluate how you're playing and uh, it's just more information for us baseball players front office and fans to indulge in and uh, really see what is actually happening how are you feeling going into 2020 I feel great um, my body feels great um, made some adjustments with my swing in the off season and uh, I'm uh, really looking forward to being on a first place team which swing <laughs> both of them um, <laughs> It's a, like I said, we we'll always say when I signed in 2008, I told myself it was, my goal was just to get a little bit better every day. And uh, over the last how many years, it's just um, it's kind of been a work in progress. And and uh, here I am today, still trying to get better every day. And it's still my motto. And uh, it's um, it's paying off early, but um, there's a lot of a lot of games left. You know, that's the one thing people don't realize when when you switch hit. It's the maintenance of two swings. And now you're talking about changing two different swings. How tough that is compared to just having one. Yes, I think it's a kind of a blessing in disguise too, um, to be able to feel it on both sides and take away what you what you interpret on both sides, your feel versus real. And uh, it, it helps out in some ways, but it is a lot of work and it's a lot of maintenance. Do you want them both to be similar? Are they different? How, how is it? Because every every switch hitter I ask, their their answer is different. Yeah. Um, I've always told, like, don't try to make the same swing both ways, and and don't try to do this. Don't do. Tr- I try to make them the same both sides, so I can know what I'm doing and try to emulate both sides of the same and feel the same things. And uh, that's what's worked for me, and it might be different for someone else, but uh, it's it's a, it's a tough gig. Uh, running into the wall today, <laughs> really? <laughs> Well, I got mad at Chappie because he did it, and I said, what are you doing? Like, the ball's five rows in the stands, and then I do it a couple innings later. But I didn't realize the wind was – I did know the wind was blowing, but the one he hit me, I was like, there's no way that's going in the stands. And the people in the stands were telling me, there's no way you're catching that. And I didn't. But, uh, hey, um, I'd rather err on that than than let it slow up and let it drop. And what's a trip about these ballparks is how small the fences are. Yeah, that's what I was just talking to Fires about. It's not that there's a fence there. It's just how small it is. It's it's better to run an offense at six feet high than three feet high because it kind of undercuts you. But um, that's just part of it. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> it's just it's just a funny part of the game. 
I've noticed one thing with this team from when we saw you guys at FanFest and now being down here at spring training. The word is confidence. You know, you win 97 games two straight years. It seems like this team is ready to take the next step. Yeah. Um, when you win 97 games in the big leagues and you don't even win your division, um, that just speaks how strong our division is. And we have the talent. We look around here. We have the same team as last year. And uh, the, the camaraderie we have, the culture we have here is second to none. And, um, it's a... Uh, it's going to be a special season, and, and you see how the guys interact with each other and, and get along and all pulling for each other. It's, uh, it's, it's special. And defense has been such a hallmark. Corner outfield, corner infield, shortstop. Just talk about how the defense is just so strong. I mean, we got play, we got guys that can flat-out play um, everywhere. And you got two corner infielders that won back-to-back gold glove and back-to-back platinum gloves. Um, no other team has that. And... Uh, and then you have a, uh, I thought, M- MVP in shortstop. Um, but it's um, defense is one of our strong suits, and and we can hit and we can run the bases. So it's going to be hard to beat us. We appreciate the time. Stay healthy, and we'll see you in Oakland. Thanks for having me. Robbie is going to be a key part, no doubt about it, especially that defense in the 2020 season for the athletics. A guy that is healthy, a guy that is ready to go and have a full season. And isn't it going to be great as an A's fan to see him for a full season? Sean Manaya, of course, had that big no-hitter against the Boston Red Sox, came back last year, was dominant, and we're hoping what he did last year will carry over to this year. Got a chance to hook up with Sean Manaya after one of his outings down in spring training. So spring training 2020, I think this has just got to be great for you. As you feel healthy, you're throwing the ball great. And after what happened last year, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling amazing. Um, yeah, like I said, I feel uh, feel healthy. And, uh, you know, being able to work on some pitches and uh, you just use the spring training for that. And, uh, and uh, you know, just be consistent with everything and, and uh, just trying to be as uh, ready as possible for, uh, for opening day. Um, I think is is huge. So I'm uh, I'm really excited where I'm at, and I feel like each each time I go out there, it's uh, just improving uh, little by little. I remember last year Chris Bassett said, you know, it's so nice to be at spring training and just let it go and not have to worry about being, you know, rehabbing or worried about an injury. I got to think for you, just got to clear your head and you can just go out and pitch again. Yeah, uh, you know, he said it exactly right. Not being able to worry about anything and just going out there and working on stuff that you want to work on is uh, is huge. And uh, you know, being pain free and uh, just being able to throw the ball um, without any worries that's uh, that's huge mentally. And uh, you know, when you're able to uh, work on stuff and you can actually like see that, um, you know, that's huge. So um, yeah, it's awesome. I've always loved your fastball changeup combination, but now you got the new weapon, the slider that Emo helped you with. How's it going? Uh, it's great. You know, this is the second game I've thrown it in, and um, you know, I just feel each each day just gets uh, more and more uh, like a better feeling in my hand, and uh, you know, hopefully, um, you know, just continue that that trend, and uh, um, you know, just be a you know, nasty weapon throughout the season. What do you think it's going to help you more with, right-handers or left-handed hitters? Um, I mean both. Um, you know, just uh, you know, have, everything's you know based off my fastball and. Uh, um, you know, if I can get something as consistent as possible to my fastball with just that, that little break, uh, I think it's going to be, you know, really good. You know, the one thing that I've noticed about you guys from FanFest to where we are now is the true confidence in this team. Back-to-back years winning 97 games, but you've got the feeling that this team wants more and expects more. 
Yeah, uh, I think we're all hungry and, uh, you know, we're all striving towards the same goal. And, uh, you know, everybody, you can feel that. You can feel that energy throughout the, the entire team, entire squad. So, um, yeah, everybody's on board. And, and uh, when you when you have that mindset with everybody, then uh, yeah, I think good things will happen. And your defense behind you is just phenomenal. They're getting all the awards, but all the analytics, the metrics show, truly one of the best, not if, the be- if not the best defense in baseball. What's it like pitching in front of these guys? Uh, makes life a lot easier, <laughs> you know. Um, when you're able to go out there and uh, trust your defense, and uh, you know, just know that they're going to make uh, the routine plays, and then you know, make some amazing plays behind you. It's uh, you know, it's very, very nice, and uh, yeah. I mean, these guys have been um, you know working their butts off, and obviously, you know, you got both mats, and then um, you know, Marcus and you know, the outfield. It's uh, it's huge. So I'm uh, you know, just happy to be part of this, and uh, yeah, let's keep it going. Let's end on this. The rotation, the past couple of years, we've always wondered who's going to be in the rotation. We now know, right? Mm-hmm. You guys got your rotation down. That's got to feel great going into 2020, being a part of this group. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this, uh, uh, the staff that we have is, uh, you yeah, know, we're going to be nasty. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, you know, I'm glad to be part of it. And wherever, wherever I'm slotted, it's, uh, you know, it's game day whenever I, whenever I pitch. So I think everybody has that mindset. And, and uh, you know, we're all doing this, this thing together. So. I think it's where our strength comes in and, and um, you know, just, uh, you know, hopefully everybody can, can stay healthy and, um, you know, just have a, have a good year. Great to see you healthy, continued success, and we'll see you in Oakland. Thank you. This rotation for the athletics is going to sneak up on a lot of people this season. No question about it. Well, a guy that I've had on my shows forever, he's been a good friend of the program, Bob Nightingale from the USA Today, one of the top columnists in baseball, was down at spring training and got a chance to have a long conversation with him on the air and off the air. We sat on the Bob Welch bench in the dugout. Here's my conversation with Bob Nightingale. Well, it's always great to have Bob Nightingale on, one of the top columnists in all of sports and in baseball for the USA Today. And here today at A's camp, what's your first impression of the 2020 A's? Just a confident group, more confident than a year ago. Obviously, you know, 97 wins. Uh, you know, they kind of beat up the Astros, you know, the one team that could, you know, play with them last year during the regular season. So, yeah, it's almost a confident, like, hey, we won 97. Anything less than 100 wins would be unacceptable. And I think it's really World Series or bust. I'm glad you said that because I think we really saw at FanFest how this team has changed. You know, the first year they won 97, it was kind of a surprise. And then everybody said, well, let's see you do it again, and they did it. And then now I think the expectations for themselves, as you said, World Series or bust, they're, they're, they're seeing themselves as that good of a team. They really do. I mean, uh, you know, they're, they're playing the Dodgers in a spring training game. It's almost a World Series preview. You know, Dodgers, of course, heavy, heavy favorites in the National League. But I think the A's are a little bit of a, uh, the sleeper pick in the American League. I mean, we talks about the Yankees, a little bit the Rays. But, the, you know, the A's are right there with the Twins. I think the A's have a good uh, chance as anybody to go to the World Series. I mean, you land Mookie Betts to go into that lineup. I mean, it's almost it's, – they have a chance to really be like a historic lineup. They could. I mean, you got David Price going from the AL East to the National League West, second easiest ballpark to pitch in, you know, outside uh, San Francisco. Uh, Yeah, I think they have a chance to win 115 games. I really do. I think they're that good. I mean, they went 106 last year, and uh, you know, they're they're a better team. I mean, people forget about Price. You know, Price was a stud two years ago. So yeah, they're. I think they're going to wrap that division up by Memorial Day. 
I, I think we got quite a few players. You know, now that I think it's really good for the game that we have all these players taking extensions and staying with their teams. I think about Matt Chapman. I think about Matt Olson. I think about Marcus Simeon. I think about Mookie Betts. I think about Cody Bellinger. We're going to have a lot of guys that are going to be on the field today that these guys are the future. They're going to be getting these contract extensions. Yeah, yeah, young, young stars. I mean, Simeon, whether, you know, the A's can afford or not, we'll see. But, you know, he'll be like Anthony Rendon of a year ago. And he may make more money than Rendon. You know, he's got a chance to, you know, he's got a chance to push 300, if, if not more. Uh, you're talking about one of the great stars in the game. So, yeah, when you talk about Chapman Olsen, I think that's why it's imperative the A's step up and, you know, and, and win this year. Because they're not, you know, no team, not even the Yankees, can afford to keep all these guys together. Yeah, and then I think about Mookie Betts. They didn't get him to be a rental, and then whatever you give him, Cody Bellinger's going to be looking at, at that number also. Yeah, oh yeah, Cody's going to be a uh, you know superstar. He's probably looking at a uh, you know a minimum of two fifty, three hundred. They're all going to get more than <laughs> what a uh, you know what Yellich got in Milwaukee. But you're right. I mean, just there's so much young talent uh, between these two teams, and uh, you know that's what the view by the Dodgers. I mean. They're not even going over the luxury tax. They've been on the luxury tax in four years, but they're still winning every year. You know, when, when, when you think about the American League right now, you got a lot of injuries going around, whether it's the Red Sox, especially the Yankees. We know the Twins are going to hit a lot of home runs. Not sure what Cleveland's going to be. The A's and the Rays are very similar. They're going to be tough. Uh, you know, you look at the American League, there's a lot of teams rebuilding. It's kind of really a wide-open deal. Yeah, it's kind of top-heavy, and there's so many rebuilding teams. It's like a, uh, you know, there's like four or five teams that have a chance to get to the uh, World Series, and there's about, you know, five or six teams that got a chance to lose 100 games. It's like, yo, the middle is kind of squeezed. But, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a it's an interesting league just because so many teams aren't even trying to compete. And that's why I think, hey, the A's beat up on the, uh, the teams that aren't supposed to win. They have a tough schedule at the start. If they can hang tough, tough with the, uh, you know, Minnesota and uh, and Houston and you know, uh, where they play Yankees and Red Sox early on, if they can get off to a good start, there's no reason why they can't win over 100 games. It's, it's hard to believe I haven't asked you about the Astros yet, but uh, you were there. It looked horrible on television. They have just not been able to control the message. With all the Brandon Taubman when they when they lied about it and the, the bad press releases and then all of this has happened, just what is the chaos like with the Houston Astros at their camp? Yeah, I mean, when I was there, 56 reporters a day, 10, 11 TV crews, it was nuts. Every time someone went to their locker, everybody runs in and talks about the scandal. So we'll see how strong they are. You know, like several players told me, Everybody has a down year. The worst time in your life to have a down year is in 2020 if you're a Houston Astro because people will start to uh, doubt whether your past stats are legitimate or not. So it can be a lot of pressure. So either these guys embrace it, top of their game every day, or they fall apart from it. You know, they got the right guy in Dusty Baker to uh, you know, help things along. But still, I mean, it's gonna, I, I feel for those guys in a sense. It's going to be a nightmare on the road. You've been in this game a long time. Have you ever seen this much chaos around one franchise entering a season? No, and just the hatred I've never come close to seeing. You know, I don't care about who got popped for PEDs. You know, that, you know remember when Ryan Braun got popped and said, oh, no, they set me up and, and you know, admitted they lied about it. And people still didn't come out like this. 
but just there, there's so much anger. And I think Chris, too, is like you said, when the press conference was on TV, it was horrible. If they had just opened the clubhouse, it would have been fine. But players saw that. And I think that's where the anger really came in. Like, wait a minute now. These guys got away with it. They say the World Series isn't tainted. And we don't like their apologies. And that's when the anger just boiled over. Yeah, and the team... Uh Obviously, the A's, we were one of the first teams to complain to Major League Baseball about it. And it was the Dodgers who lost to them in 2017 who at their fan fest, they really went after the Astros. They did. And, uh, you know, hey, let's be honest. In 2017, both teams were being accused of doing the same thing. So who knows about the Dodgers? Uh, they say they were getting live feeds, but they were doing algorithms and stuff like that. But, a, uh, yeah, they, but they did lose, lose the last two games at home. So, you know, the Astros keep bringing that up. Uh, but, yeah, you're talking about teams, all these teams and players that were affected by it. And, you know, the Dodgers are thinking, man, if we just had one World Series, people would stop talking about 1988. <laughs> you know, people have said, hey, listen, they're not the only team doing it. I, you, you hear a lot of rumors. How many teams do you think were doing it? The Astros in the report, they thought eight teams are doing it. I could see five or six. You know, there are always rumors about the big boys, you know, whether it's the Dodgers, uh, the Yankees, the Red Sox, Milwaukee Brewers with that home record. So, you know, uh, when you talk to players, I was just talking to Chris Bryant to the Cubs the other day, and Bryant goes, no, of course we don't believe they're the only team. But since they are the only team that we know of, that's where all, you know, so upset at them. Well, the good news is for the A's that the Coliseum, the way it's set up, and the clubhouse being so far away from the dugout, and all the concrete that any type of messaging you would have to go through, and it's got to be in real time, pretty much would be impossible to do it in Oakland. <laughs> exactly. It's impossible. A couple of guys mentioned that. Impossible. I, I do think it would be entertaining. I mean, Houston's first road games are in Oakland. And, you know, it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, you may get huge crowds just for people to show up. So it should increase revenue. And I tell you what, I think the press box is going to be like a World Series press box. Pick me jammed in there to see what it's going to be like. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. You got all the Dodger fans who are going to be going down to Anaheim to rag them for their first road series and their second road series. You know, we're doing promotions around it. So it's going to, and they're going to, they're going to get this all year long, even though they're going to try and say, Hey, we've already talked about it. Everybody's going to want to talk to them about it. The punishment. So. What happened with Beltron, what happened with Core, and of course, Hinch and Luno, do you think this is enough to get everybody to stop doing it? I think so. Not so much the punishment, Chris, but the fact with all the hatred. When you have all your peers ripping into you, your peers saying, hey, we're going to drill you during games. That part's got to scare people. Like, nobody wants to be hated. And for those guys to be hated and scorned and everything else, I think that's the biggest detriment than any punishment MLB could do. Because uh, let's face it, $5 million is nothing. I mean, that's they say that just not having the salaries for Luno and, uh, and A.J. Hinch. Lots of draft picks, you know, big deal. Uh, but, yeah, just, just the scorn, I think, is the punishment. On a, on a positive note, what are you really looking forward to in 2020? You know, I'd like to see some new blood in there. I mean, I'd like to see the A's do something, uh, see the Twins get past the Yankees for once. But, you know, so many good star players. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what young guys step up. You know, how, you know people are going to be focused on the Astros all year long uh, as far as just the negativity. But I think seeing some of these, you know, young players, I mean, there's never been so many great young players in the game in, in baseball history. Just, you know, everywhere you turn, some guys come up you never heard of. 
that's an absolute stud. Uh, so I, I think that is how much great young players are in the game, and they're really kind of phasing out the older players. You remember back in the day when a guy was 20 or 21 years old and we talked about, oh, he's a rookie, he's timid, he's got to learn the ropes, you know, sit at your locker and just be quiet, you know, just listen, don't talk a lot. And now these kids are coming in, they're young, they're brash, and they're here to take your lunch. <laughs> they are. You're actually absolutely right, Chris. It used to be you don't spoke until you're spoken to. Uh, you're, you know, you're bringing the beers to the players after games. You're, you're, you're taking their bags on the road. You know, these days, you know, the rookies are probably telling the veterans, hey, old man, you take my bag. <laughs> but completely, completely a different game. The game has changed as much as it's ever changed in the last five years. You know? Always appreciate you coming on. You've been doing it for years, and and it's it's been great. And we look forward to talking to you throughout the baseball season. My pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Bob is really, really good in the insights that he has and the connections that he has. You know, and one day when you're doing Ken Rosenthal and Bob Nightingale, you're talking to some heavy hitters there. No question about it. Melissa Lockhart has been covering the A's for years and their minor league system. And she does a fantastic job with The Athletic. Here is my conversation with Melissa Lockhart. Melissa, welcome to A's Cast Live. Thank you for taking the time today. Thank you. I, I took my Zyrtec this morning, so I'm all set. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Oh, oh, yeah. All right, when we look at the A's in 2020, and always when I come down to spring training and you were here, uh, I think of the, there, there's themes, and I think the biggest theme for me is that the confidence this team has. You know, two years ago, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they won 97 games. There was no expectations. Then last year it was, well, let me see them do it again. And they did it again and won 97 games. And now I get this sense of confidence. These guys, for the first time, this group, this core, they're really ready for the fight. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's a, a core group of guys that have played together for so long now, dating back to the minor leagues, and they've won everywhere they've gone. And they, they just, you know, they know how good they are, and they know how good they can be. And I don't think they feel uncomfortable, you know, kind of saying it and feeling that way. And, uh, yeah, I think they, they expect to be one of the best teams in baseball. I think they would be disappointed if it was only 97 wins this year. And um, you, you get that real sense when you're hanging around the clubhouse. You know, you've covered the minor leagues and been around the A's for a long time, and it's still just uh, head-scratching. And I talked about it with him the other day, Matt Olson, that at one point he was playing right field. He's arguably the best first baseman uh, in the game, especially defensively. This is going to be a big year for him, I think, for the country to really realize how special. But the fact that he was playing right field, and I know Melvin at that time, Melissa, was in contact with him, telling him, don't worry about it, you're the first baseman of the future. Just talk about what you saw, and did you realize he was going to be this good? Oh, yeah. You know, d dating back to his time in the Arizona Rookie League right after he was drafted, you know, you just started hearing, like, this is a legitimate, good defensive first baseman. And you don't hear much about defense when it comes to first baseman. You know, most of the time someone's drafted at first base because they don't play defense very well. So he was an outlier to begin with. And, uh, you know, everywhere he went, he just looked like a big leaguer at that position from the beginning. And you see some pretty rough defensive play up and down especially in the lower level of the minor leagues, and you never saw that from him. I mean, you know, he and Matt Chapman became professionals, and they were big league uh, defensive players already. 
Yeah, and defense really has been the hallmark of this team. I know a lot of people, you know, have talked about the bullpen two years ago or they talk about the power that we've seen the last couple of years. But you can speak to this also since you saw these guys coming up. Defense is one of the reasons why this team is so good. Yeah, you know, and Bob Melvin mentioned yesterday that um, that wasn't the case two years ago. And and it's very true. I mean, I think – or 2017, I guess we're three years now. But, um, you know, when you were looking at that big league team and you had so many of those kind of veterans and funny spots and Matt Olson playing right field and all this sort of weirdness going on, defense was a real detriment to them being able to pitch to their uh, expectations. And, and I think he sort of wore the team down offensively too because you'd end up giving away all these extra outs. And within six months, you know, they had turned the whole thing around. And now I think they're as good as any team in baseball at fielding the ball. So uh, it's a remarkable turnaround. um, And it's all been a pretty homegrown turnaround too, which I think is even more remarkable. About two hours ago, you put an article up in The Athletic about the 2019 first round pick out of Clemson, Logan Davidson. Uh, Tell us about your article. It sounds like the A's are very happy with his progress. Yeah, you know, he, he's a really impressive kid. I mean, this is a guy who's one year out of college, in a big league clubhouse, and he looks like he belongs, and, and he looks like he knows what he's doing. He's, uh, you know, quiet, but he sits there and he does his routines. He did his pregame work, and there was a lot of talk about last year. You know, he got off to a really slow start in Vermont, but um, he had a real routine and, and getting ready before games, and that's usually one of the things you don't see from younger players. They don't really know how to get ready yet at that point in their careers yet. Um, his dad played in the big leagues, won a World Series with the Twins back in 87. So um, he just he just is a kind of a baseball rat, um, switch hitter. Con- you know, contact may be an issue as, as he gets up. He may never hit for a high average, but he's got the chance to be a double-digit home run, double-digit steals, and then guy can play shortstop. And I think that's a pretty valuable guy to find, especially where they were drafting in the first round last year. You know, when you look at Sean Murphy and you stand next to him, he looks like an NFL linebacker. He's 6'3", he's, what, 230 or something like that? I mean, he is a big dude. He's healthy. He's back playing again. What are your expectations for him in his first full season? You know, he's just such a pro also. I mean, I think it's, again, his dad also played professional baseball, and I think you see that with these guys that – had fathers that were in the game, they came to pro ball really understanding what it takes to get there. So, you know, he's been a pro since he turned since he turned pro. And, um, you know, defense, obviously, every single guy you talk to that he catches, even though they don't know each other that well yet, he doesn't know everything about their repertoire, they love throwing to him. Um, you know, he, he receives well. He's very communicative with his pitchers. He works hard before the game with game planning. And then that arm is, is as good as any catcher that, that you're going to see. So as long as he can stay healthy – He's going to make a huge impact behind the plate, you know, and then at the plate, I remember he said during FanFest that the turnaround for him offensively was when he stopped thinking about it. You know, he's really started just focusing on his defense and letting the offense come naturally, and he's developed into a weapon on, on offense as well. A.J. Puck shut down, we learned yesterday from Bob Melvin, five to six days. And just, you know, you see top prospects all over baseball. You see these guys that throw really, really hard. And you also see these guys that have a hard time staying healthy. Uh, Do you have any fear about A.J. Puck and his inability to stay healthy? Well, I think you have to have that fear about literally every pitcher at this point. I mean, I think it's such a such a weird thing to do to your body to pitch and especially to pitch 98 miles per hour when you're six foot seven coming down the mound and the amount of punishment that you put on all your joints, you know, when you're doing that, I think 
everybody's an injury risk when they're at that level. Uh, you know, that said, I mean, it, it's, it's never a good thing when you're talking about something barking, especially a shoulder and, you know, a guy that came off Tommy John surgery. But the fact the MRI was clean, the fact that he spoke up about it when it was before it was something that was really severe is, are, are probably good signs. Because I think one of the things that I think happened when he ended up with Tommy John surgery that spring a couple of years ago was that, you know, he was going to pitch through it. It was a little soreness or whatever. So, you know, I think a lot of these guys are learning, too, the quicker you catch something and shut yourself down for four or five days, it, it prevents it from becoming something bigger. So hopefully that's what that is. But, yeah, obviously it's never a great thing when you, when you see somebody like that have to stop throwing at any point. We've joked that Fran Reardon is going to have a uh, really good staff this year. We, we've we been joking with Fran that he's the uh, manager of the greatest offensive team last year with the juice balls and the juice ballpark there in Las Vegas. But if you're looking at the guys that are, are projected to be the starting staff in Las Vegas, which guy would you bet helps the A's the most in 2020? Well, I would have said Dalton Jeffries before he had his injury issue, and I think obviously that's um, something that you have to be really concerned with. I think if it turns into something that's not delaying him too much, he is a guy I think could really make an impact maybe out of the bullpen midway through the season because of his ability to, to throw strikes and mix things up, and his competitive nature I think is, is something that will really help him make that jump from AAA to the big leagues fairly smoothly. But, uh, you know, James Capellian looked really good at the end of last year. He was, finally was healthy, was able to carry his stuff all the way through to the end of the year. Um, you know, Grant Holmes has great potential. I've always really liked Parker Dunshee and, and Brian uh, Howard. They're two guys that just know how to pitch. And uh, you know, the A's have done well with guys that just know how to pitch over the years and not necessarily your biggest stuff guys. So, um, you know, it's going to be a really interesting rotation. Uh, you got Tanner Anderson and, and, and veterans like that as well. But, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of depth there for, for Fran to work with. And, you know, hopefully they don't get too discouraged as they get beat about the ears with, <laughs> with that ball in that ballpark. You know, I, I joke with Scott Emerson all the time. Oh, yeah, he's got great spin rate. Oh, he's got tilt. He's got this. He's got that. You know what? In the end, all I care, do you get outs? Stop telling me about spin rates. Do you get outs? Can you get outs at the big league level? Yeah, and, and I mean that ultimately. I mean, he's, you know, Emo's the first to say we need two things from guys. We, we need pitchability and then we need velocity, and if the pitchability is there, there's always a chance. If the velocity is the only thing that's there, there's not really much of a chance. So, um, you know, I think that that is something they still value, and I, I think you see that on the staff. I mean, there's there's some guys that are not necessarily your huge stuff guys, but you look at, like, the Esmeralda Petit and, and people like that, you know, they get guys out, and it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be 98 to do it. Jesus Cesardo is a special talent. I think there's no question. What do you? What do you? We know he's going to get babied a little bit, but what are your expectations for him in 2020? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think obviously you have to be very careful in terms of how many innings you put on a kid who hasn't thrown that many, you know, consecutively the last few seasons. Uh, you know, that said, as long as he's healthy, I think they'll keep feeding him whatever he can handle because he's shown that from a maturity perspective. There's no stage that's going to, you know, kind of frighten him. I mean, yesterday he, he joked and said he gets nervous throwing live BP, but you wouldn't know it. <laughs> you look at him on the mound and he looks like he's been there for 25 years and he's pitched in seven World Series. So, um, you know, I don't think there's a moment they're going to baby him away from, but I do think the, the expectation shouldn't be that he's going to throw, you know, 160 innings because I think just physically that would probably be difficult um, given the amount of innings he's thrown the last couple of years. But they haven't told him anything about a restriction he's operating under the mindset that he's going to pitch until they tell him to stop so 
um, you know, I think uh, we'll just have to wait and see on that. Let me can, can I float a little idea past you and see if you like it? Yeah, sure. Okay, so if we're gonna if we're gonna baby these guys essentially, and they're gonna go, we're allow them to go five. Let's say we're gonna allow them to go five innings. Well, the problem I have with just saying you're going five innings is that now means you're gonna have to rely on four or five pitchers, maybe even six, the rest of the way to get you a victory. So why not? If if we're now we're, we're now and Scott Emerson has talked about this, he wants to train a staff. Hey, when we give you the ball, no matter what time, no matter where it is, you be ready to pitch. Why not have the bullpen pitch the first maybe three innings or maybe four innings, and then have Jesus Lazardo come in and pitch the last five or six because he's arguably got the best stuff and allow him to end up closing out the game and winning the game for you. Because if he goes out there and just gives you five, he's not going to factor in that many games. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what you will see is a little more mixing and matching. I mean, one of the things they've talked about a little bit in the past is sort of tandem starting. And unfortunately, with the 13-pitcher cap, it isn't something they can just add a 14-pitcher and then be able to match guys up. But um, you know, if you could go, say, four innings, Lazardo, four innings, Puck, every five days, you've got, you know, eight innings that are going to be pretty strong. Um, and then you go to Liam Hendricks, I think that works out pretty well for you as a formula. So um, I think even even though you can only carry 13 pitchers, there may be moments where they sort of shift to kind of a, um, I don't know, a sliding scale kind of rotation where you, you have an ex, you have like you did in September where you know that somebody's going to come in and they're going to work three innings like Lizardo and Puck did towards the end of the year. Um, and where they can kind of do that to keep those guys on a schedule but not necessarily throw um, you know huge innings on them early in the season, you may see that. And I think Chris Bassett actually, frankly, is going to be probably the most valuable pitcher on the team because he may be the guy that's the one that kind of bridges those starts if they are only going to go four or five because of, of inning limitations. And, you know, he, he was great. I mean, he was probably their second most consistent starter last year. So, um, you know, that he won't necessarily be in, in a five-man rotation is a pretty big weapon to have out of the bullpen. Melissa, thank you so much for your time. Keep up the great work with The Athletic, and we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Well, we want to thank Robbie Grossman, Sean Manaya, Bob Nightingale, and Melissa Lockhart. Now back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.